Hello, everybody. My name is Fata Fata, aka Fata for Three. I got my boy Yazin Abed, aka Yaz. How you doing, bro? It's been a minute. Yeah, man, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm ready for the NBA season. Let's get it started. Yeah, just like everybody, man. But the time has now arrived. Welcome to the Game Point Pod. Our podcast will be focused on the NBA landscape on and off the court. Yazin and I will be debating various topics on a weekly basis, hoping to provide you with the best Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith impression. We'll see how things go. <laughs> But uh, we're excited to share our thoughts on topics that you, the listeners, may want a different perspective on. The first question you might have is, what is the structure of the podcast? Great question. We'll go over this shortly with you to ensure that you have an idea of what to expect on a weekly basis. Yazin, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, man, I'm just going to keep it, keep it real. I mean, you, there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of TV shows you can watch about guys throwing just aimless stats at you to try to convince you. No, we're going to give you you know, the layman's terms, we're going to give you the eye test. You know, we're not going to give you stats on how Tom Brady is somehow better than Patrick Mahomes. Like you'll see that on some TV shows. We're going to give it to you straight. Two guys have been watching basketball since they were little. Two guys have been playing basketball since they were young. You know, you have a Raptors fan who finally got to the NBA championship last year, who finally held it up. And then you have a delusional Knicks fan like myself, who, you know, still holding out hope, you know, you don't know how many more hot takes we're going to have this year on the Knicks. Um, you know, hedge your bets, I guess. Maybe we can get on bet online and see if people can bet on how many times I can just, you know, go over the top with my Knicks predictions. But uh, we're going to give it to you guys straight. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have a lot of questions, a lot of topics, and uh, it's going to be just a cool time. The NBA is back, guys. We've had a long year. For sure. I share that same excitement with you, Yazin. But with that said, I'll go ahead and play our fire theme song that I've been trying to play for such a long time. We'll be back to discuss more. Drop the beat. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be talking about the structure of the podcast. So we have various uh, segments that we like to discuss. The first one is Run That, where we'll have three to five topics that will be discussed over the course of the week in NBA. The second topic, which will be called AO, talking about strange or weird things that may have happened over the course of the week, similar to Shaq being a fool, but obviously with a little more stuff with it. So uh, stay tuned for that. The third segment we'll be talking about is games of the week where we discuss big games on the schedule that week. I mean, kind of chime in on what to expect. And then lastly is blog boy talk, which will we'll select a couple questions from our listeners through our social media accounts via DMs. And I think we're uh, thinking of tackling that on a later episode. So with that being said, we'll start off with the first topic, run that. The topic of discussion will be regarding Giannis resigning with the Bucks on a five-year Supermax worth $228 million and how that impacts the 2021 NBA free agency. So, Yazin, tell me your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not surprised, honestly. That's, that's a lot of money. That's, I believe, the largest contract in NBA history. Uh, Well-deserved, obviously. This guy's a, an MVP. He's a you know, perennial all-star. He you know, leads the league in, in, in a ton of different stats, and he, he makes his teams better. And, uh, you know, he's grown as a player. So I'm not surprised that he uh, re-signed. There was a lot of rumblings that, you know, a lot of teams wanted him and, you know, to try and get him like Miami, Toronto. Uh, there's always the L.A. rumors, which probably are completely unsubstantiated. Um, but, you know, Giannis stays home. He's a uh, he's a very humble guy, humble roots coming from Greece. You know, when I used to do uh, draft research back in 2013, this guy was a project. He 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 was very raw. He was very, you know, he had the physical tools. He hadn't really been playing basketball for very long when he came out. So when the Milwaukee Bucks kind of you know, threw a flyer out there in a very weak 2013 draft. You know, they got a gem. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not surprising that he's uh, he's back in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I, I did have an inkling that he would come back because he's kind of cut from a different cloth with regards to some of the superstars in today's NBA, right? Um, beforehand, there used to be a movement where they would want to focus on winning a championship by partnering with other superstars in different markets. But me being a big Raptors fan, I had the expectation that he might leave to come to us or maybe to, you know, other destinations that cleared cap space for him, such like Miami, even like the Mavericks, even the Lakers were looking at the, at the option as well. Right. But um, obviously this is good for the NBA, right. Showing the fact that, you know, superstars can be kept in a small market, but 
<laughs> with that being said, I don't know if that's going to lead to success, right? I mean, the Bucks did whatever they could as a front office to bring some talent around Giannis to kind of tread towards the right direction. But again, it's really up to Giannis as to how he wants to impose his will on the playoffs. But when it comes to impacting 2021 free agency, obviously there was a lot of teams that were in the lookout for Giannis, right? Miami, Toronto, just to name a few, even New York, say the least. But um, now it comes to a point where some people, or at least some teams are trying to focus on other free agents, but it's a very short list. Obviously, Paul George did re-sign with the, with the Clippers. Also, um, Rudy Gobert signing that max deal with the Utah Jazz. So, I mean... When you're looking at the 2021 free agency, you got Kawhi, and then the next person you really got is Spencer Dinwiddie. So I don't know what these teams are going to do with regards to the 2021 free agency, but it did change the direction that several of these franchises will take. So again, time will tell as to how the season progresses, but so far we won't see Giannis in the free market for at least the next five years. Yeah, I mean, this this is kind of the trend here in the NBA. You know, we'll, we'll start to notice that, you know, First off, it's a business. You know, this is guys' livelihood. They need to make the most money they can, you know. So when you hear about people like, you know, James Harden turning down 50 mil a year, you're kind of a little skeptical. But but overall, I mean, like, a lot of guys are, are really trying, you know, to, to make the most money, to make the biggest impact. Um, so, so Giannis leaving, you know, how does it impact 2021 free agency? That vaunted free agent market is now completely dry, uh, you know. You know, LeBron's gone, uh, Paul George is gone, uh, Giannis is gone, Rudy Gobert just signed, uh, uh, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell. So it's dried up really quick. And as you said, it's pretty much Kawhi Leonard and everybody else. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, it's, he, you know, it's pretty clear that uh, he's going to opt out of his deal. Um, you know, he's now going to be in his 10th season, so he's going to be eligible for over 35% of the cap. Uh, he tried to make his way back to L.A., which is his hometown. Uh, and he, he brought Paul George along with him, who is a really good player, you know, uh, perennial all-star as well. Didn't show up in the playoffs a little bit. Maybe it was the bubble. Who knows? And it was the bubble food. I don't, you know, skeptical. But, you know, he's probably going to resign there. Uh, you know, he, he's going to build his home there. He's going to become the centerpiece. And then you have Steve Ballmer, who's probably one of the best owners in the league, willing to spend money. Uh, so he's in, a, he's in a really good spot. The rest of the 2021 free agent class, I mean, it's kind of hit or miss. You can build some pieces together. You can get an Andre Drummond. You can sign, a, you know, Alonzo Ball, you know, put some guys together to make playoffs. But no real game changers. Um, but so what do you think about, like, how this impacts superstars sort of moving around now? Because it's pretty clear that they don't always do it through free agency. Like, now it looks like the trend has kind of moved to guys pushing for trades out of their current situations. Right. I mean, yeah, it is definitely a new trend that's uh, starting nowadays, obviously with some superstars that are at least some uh, bonafide stars that are staying in their respective markets. We can talk about Damian Lillard with the Portland Trailblazers and, you know, Giannis kind of taking a piece of where that came from. Right. So he's just staying in his market. However, like you mentioned, when it comes to some of those superstars trying to push their way out of franchises, I feel like that's good and bad for the front office. I mean, you know, they could wait until free agency and those big superstars can just walk out the window, similar to, you know, Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. But when it comes to, you know, for example, a situation like James Harden, uh, yes, you might lose leverage with regards to superstars showing their frustration that they don't want to stay, right? So that gives other teams and other suitors the ability to kind of undercut certain offers, to show that desperation from the team that's letting go of that superstar, right? But I don't know if it's going to be a continued trend, but with James Harden, obviously the other side of things where either way, if he's going to walk out in the next two years after his contract, at least Houston, if they were to trade him now, yes, they may not get the value, the sentimental value that he presents as a superstar, but they're still getting something, right? So, so with that being said, I don't know if it's going to be a trend that will sustain in the near future, but again, time will tell. Yeah. I mean, I see it now that teams are, they're clearing up cap space, not necessarily to, uh, to sign free agents now, because like you said, you know, 
every home team, when they have the bird rights, can re-sign a guy for, for much more than any other team can offer. They can offer an extra year, which in this NBA, you know, you can have a catastrophic injury and, and all of a sudden lose everything. So that extra year is definitely important. So I think now the trend, now when you look at the 2021 class, uh, the trend is now going to be for teams to uh, collect assets, just collect assets like OKC is doing a, an amazing job of that and just collecting first and second round picks, signing guys to very cap-friendly deals, uh, taking on um, you know large contracts that are attached with assets, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to bring a superstar over. Uh, you know, you have to you have to draft, obviously, but now when you realize that signing guys probably won't be as easy as it was before, as long as you can provide uh, just a bevy of first round, second round, some young talent, and then you can probably score yourself a, uh, a superstar, and you'll have the cap space to, to absorb another one or or to even try to sign two or three complementary pieces. I think that's the way that things are going to go now after 2021. Right. And I definitely agree with you there, especially with those teams that did not have the, obviously the ability to sign Giannis now because of staying with the Bucks. But with that extra cap space that Miami or Toronto or any other team has created to potentially bring Giannis in, they can use that towards bringing a superstar through trade, like you mentioned, right? So that, you know, that space is still quite valuable. Uh, but getting back to the 2021 free agency, you know, we're talking about, you know, Kawhi and then the rest, right? So obviously the Clippers have very high expectations coming into this season, considering the fact that the Lakers have won the championship. So, you know, it's Laker town as usual. When it comes to Kawhi, let's say if the Clippers do, again, fail to meet expectations and not be able to win the championship, is there a possibility that Kawhi may consider other options outside of Los Angeles to, you know, obtain that championship. I know that he's always wanting to come back home, but coming back home to play with a guy like pandemic P may not be something that's quite <laughs> suitable for a superstar like Kawhi Leonard. So maybe just kind of hear your take on that. Maybe if there's an opportunity, I know it's very slim, but I'm just trying to entertain the thought of whether he might be considering other options at this point. If again, the Clippers end up falling short. I mean, there's always that possibility. Uh, like, you know, we've seen some sort of matches made in heaven that, that kind of fall apart because, because the team didn't win. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought Kevin Durant was going to stay in, in Golden State. You know, they had just come off a championship, the, you know, two years prior to losing to Toronto. And, you know, it, it looked like things were going well there. That, you know, they can keep that same core together. And then all of a sudden he jettisons off to Brooklyn. So nothing's impossible. Um but if you're looking at the NBA landscape in 2021, the teams that do have the space for him, they're not at the level that the Clippers are. They're not nowhere near the Clippers. I mean, I would, would start a prayer circle for Kawhi Leonard to come to New York right now. Uh, the Knicks have the cap space. They can bring him in. Here we go. We, we, no, we'll play with RJ Barrett. All right. We got Emmanuel quickly now running point. We got Mitchell. But the Knicks are not necessarily there yet. They don't have the good owner that Steve Ballmer is, uh, you know, and, you know, Kawhi has, uh, we've seen reports that he's very comfortable. He, he lives in San Diego. He doesn't even live in L.A. Uh, he lives a little bit away from, from L.A. And he kind of does his own thing. You know, uh, you know, he drives in when he pleases. He stays home with family. He doesn't seem like a guy who needs the glitz and the glam and, you know, like, and, and everything. So, it, it, you know, L.A. is still a destination for Steve Ballmer and company to bring in people to play with him. If it's Paul George, great. If it's not Paul George, hey, listen. You ship him off too, get a couple more pieces. Like I, I know they just resigned him, but I mean right. nobody's untradeable in the NBA as we've seen. Um, so I, I think he stays. What chance do I give of him leaving? Of course, there is a chance. I'd probably put it at like five mm, percent. Uh, I think he he has his yeah, home I there. Like. I mean, like I said, the NBA, anything can happen. Everything is possible. So. Uh, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait till 2021 free agency, which segues to our second topic really is, you know, talking about the short off season, which we had a few months ago and just kind of talking about, you know, the teams that have drastically improved over that short off season. So Yazin, maybe if you want to discuss as to what teams that may have caught your eye during the short off season and might make some noise for the 2021 season. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, short off season, uh, you know, NBA starting soon. Uh, it wasn't the, the greatest free agent class that, you know, 2020, um, had to offer, but a lot of, a lot of teams really did improve. 
Uh, and a lot of teams are probably going to, you know, jump up the standings, uh, you know, based off of where they finished last year. Uh, I have a couple in mind. Uh, I think the first one, uh, you know, is the pretty uh, popular pick, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, they already had a young core with Trey Young, uh, who's, who's really coming into his own, who's probably be in the MV, MVP uh, conversation over the next couple of years. Uh, Kevin Herter, of course, you know, sharpshooting two guard. Uh, they have uh, Cam Reddish as well as DeAndre Hunter, who they both, who they got uh, in the 2019 draft, and they bring back John Collins, of course, who's kind of manning down there. Uh, and then they signed a lot of veterans. So you know, the team's a very young team. All those guys I just mentioned were under the age of 25. Most of them are under the age of 23. Uh, so they brought in guys like uh, you know Bo- uh, Boyan Bogdan Bogdanovich. There's another guy, Boyan Bogdanovich, yeah. but it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> um, Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo. Uh, and they drafted um, Okungu from uh, from USC, um, yes. who, who's a, who's a backup center there. So they did a good job of mixing together veterans uh, who are going to work with those young guys because young guys are not going to bring you a championship at the age of 22, 23. They need a little bit of uh, you know veterans. I think the most underrated signing there was Rajon Rondo. I mean, Rajon Rondo is going to help uh, Trey Young. He's going to help him teach him how to uh, how to read defenses. Uh, how to pick up double teams, how to find his, uh, you know, his, his teammates wide open. I mean, you've seen what, what Rondo did as, you know, as part of the big three, he was the de facto big fourth there and the Celtics would not have won a championship without him. So uh, under the tutelage of Rondo, I mean, uh, Trey Young can definitely uh, make leaps and bounds. Uh, And of course, you know, they just got a lot more depth. Uh, You know, those young guys are going to, are going to run that starting lineup. Uh, you know, they're going to bring Gallo off the bench, uh, who's going to easily provide you with, you know, 13 points and maybe two or three, three pointers, at, you know, in clutch moments, uh, you know, uh, Kungu is going to help uh, in relief with Clint Capella, both very long guys, but guys who can defend the basket, guys who can block shots, play defense, catch lobs, which Trey Young is definitely going to be implementing a right. whole lot. They brought a lot of shooters around. So I think the Atlanta Hawks to me are, are, are finally going to, know punch their ticket back to the postseason this year what about you yeah i mean i agree with atlanta being one of the teams that did improve in the short offseason however the verdict is out on their defense man like i think i think they're gonna have to shoot the lights out in order to make up for the horrendous defense as a team right yeah I-, I guess the only person that could really play defense on that team is quinn capella but uh that's just a rim production like they i don't know if they have the perimeter defense that can stop you know today's pace in nba where the primary focus is just shooting the three ball. Right. But offensively, I'm not too worried about that. Obviously Rondo can, you know, show that veteran presence and kind of allowing Trey Young to unlock that side of obviously of his skill set and kind of understanding reading. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to score. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not too worried. I'm not too worried about Atlanta in terms of the offensive ability, just defense is where it's going to bring you further. But again, it's baby steps. And obviously with the, you know, the depth and the pieces that they have that could result in maybe a trade later on to get a defensive wing that could help uh, bring that defensive identity to Atlanta. So that's, uh, that's definitely one. The other one is the Lakers with the additions of Schroeder and Harrell and obviously Gasol, um, even though he's kind of washed, but he's definitely uh, an upgrade over JaVale McGee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. But yeah, just, just bringing in two guys that were, you know, the front runner and, and the winner of the six man of the year last year that will bolster that Lakers bench that didn't really do that much last year and obviously give LeBron that extra offensive punch that the Lakers would need. And the one thing I like about the Lakers organization with the off season is that they were not complacent during the off season. Typically there's some teams, you know, who win a championship and then they kind of just stay stagnant, right? They were still hungry. They wanted to prove that they were able to jump in and grab whatever resource or whatever player available that can help them and improve. So um, kudos to the Lakers on that, you know, and obviously looking at the Clippers, you know, bringing in Ibaka, it just goes to show the class between the Lakers and the Clippers with the Clippers. They were supposed to ha- show some kind of urgency in terms of bringing in guys. Obviously I know they're limited on the cap and whatnot, but they got to get creative and show that urgency. Whereas the Lakers just won a championship they're signing guys as if like they just lost a championship. Like they just need to re up right away. So, right. So, so you don't, you don't like Luke Kennard. You don't think Luke Kennard is a good signing guy. He was the best player on, on Detroit. And now he's coming yeah, in. But like, be, like Luke the Ken- fifth best player there. 
Yeah, I don't know about Luke Kennard. Cause Luke Kennard, like, what does he compare to, like, Landry Shaman? I feel like Landry Shaman could do the exact same thing he's been doing with the Pistons. I mean, no they're, they're virtually the same player, in my opinion, man. It's just like he didn't have the opportunity that he would have had with the Clippers. Obviously, the Clippers being a dysfunctional organization, not be able to gel their roster. But Luke Kennard playing with Kawhi Leonard and just seeing the defensive inability that he has really will definitely make him scratch his braids a little more often but <laughs> he doesn't need to play defense you have you have yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who are the best defensive players in the league Luke Kennard doesn't need to play defense yeah, yeah. Luke Kennard needs to get he needs to score three threes a game you know he needs to, to get in the right positions he needs to hit clutch shots I think Luke Kennard was a huge signing for him I think the Clippers had a great offseason you know yeah they lost Harrell they replaced him with Ibaka Ibaka's a little bit more washed than Harrell. Obviously, Harrell's in, in, in the prime of his he, I feel like he's much better. I feel like Ibaka, maybe he might be recency biased, but man, like, Ibaka can shoot the three ball. He can protect the rim. And the one thing that was a knock on Harrell's game was the fact that his inability to stretch the floor, right? And I feel like that would help with the Clippers in terms of allowing guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to drive to the basket with with not much traffic in the paint. Whereas, you know, when you had a guy like Zubac, right, obviously he can, he can shoot the ball, but probably not as well as Ibaka. Ibaka last mm-hmm. year was literally a 38, 39% three-point shooter as a big, right? So I feel like that will definitely open up the floor. But the question is, is Ibaka, his offensive game is primarily on a playmaking point guard, right? When you look at Toronto, where Kyle Lowry was able to set him up through a pick and roll pop on the on the elbow jumper, right? He was efficient on the mid-range game. I feel like that was able to help him unlock his offensive skill set. But when it comes to the Clippers, they don't really have a playmaker. I mean, I guess you could say Kawhi, but who's that secondary playmaker? We can't talk about Patrick Beverly. He's quite one-dimensional. And I don't mean, I can't even say one-dimensional because defensively, I don't really think he's that great of a defender. He fouls 90% of the time, really, right? So again, time will tell. Tyron Lue may be able to mix some schemes up to make every player effective in their own way, but I guess we'll see. But with that being said, I think the second team that I thought that obviously drastically improved was the Bucks bringing in Drew Holiday instead of relying on a guy like Eric Bledsoe, bringing guys like, you know, Brian Forbes that can shoot the ball, Torrey Craig that could be another defensive wing. Obviously, it's a slight improvement, but it doesn't really move the needle, but it's something worth mentioning considering the fact that they don't have a guy like Eric Bledsoe chucking up threes. You know, there's there's got to be a point where someone knows their role. If you're not a shooter, don't shoot. You know what I mean? So, and obviously... (laughs) You know, no. like obviously the Bucks, the Bucks are a defensive nightmare. When you got guys like Drew Holiday and Giannis Tenacupo on the same floor, like it, it, it's problematic. When you think about, you know, certain duos in, in the East, when you're thinking about Katie and Kyrie potentially playing against the Bucks, you got Drew Holiday that can strap on Kyrie and you got Tenacupo that can play defense on KD. So you can start to see the similarities in terms of being that defensive juggernaut, but the question will always come as to, can Giannis take the next step offensively and bring the Bucks further into the playoffs with his shot making ability? And that's I don't, that's I don't the think the, really I don't really point. think I don't think the Bucks improved that much. I think they 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 you know upgraded between Bledsoe uh, and Holiday. Obviously, they're going to re-sign Holiday. Holiday's a free agent. He's gonna he's gonna eat up a lot of that cap. Uh, they lost Brook Lopez. They lost Wesley Matthews, and they lost three first round picks. Uh, obviously, that doesn't matter now, you know, because they're trying to win now. But they mortgaged their future, you know, to keep Giannis, which, okay, great, they did. Uh, but to get a guy like Drew Holiday, who, Drew Holiday's a great player, but, I mean, you know, they didn't do enough to, to bring other players on board there. Uh, you know, they, they didn't, they failed to get Bogdanovich, which would have been huge. Uh, you're talking about Tory Craig and, and, and Brian For I mean, these guys are not mentionable. These guys are These guys are cut candidates, you know, next week. Hey, man, like all I'm saying is that Wesley Matthews didn't really do jack in the playoffs. I mean, like when you're when you're looking at guys like Torrey Craig from a shooting standpoint, he's not really that much. But from a defensive standpoint, at least it's another body that can shut down another shooting guard or wing. I do agree with you that, yes, they may not have pushed the needle as they expected to, but. I still think that having Drew Holiday over Eric Bledsoe will take them quite a long way, but it's up to Giannis, right? You can do, you can make all these moves at the front office, but it's up to Giannis. You go as far as Giannis goes. And the fact of the matter is that he couldn't make shots against Miami in the playoffs, which resulted in literally a five-game oust. But again, we really got to see what Giannis can do from a shot-making standpoint because it is a shooter's league at the end of the day. So we'll see. 
The last thing I wanted to mention was I think the sleeper team is the Houston Rockets in terms of their additions. I personally, adding John Wall, adding John Wall to me, I wouldn't say it's an upgrade, but I would say that it's a better fit with James Harden. Also adding a guy like Christian Wood at the five, at the four would definitely be beneficial. Obviously you were able to see in the playoffs last year that not having a big and starting PJ six foot six PJ Tucker at the five only went so far, right? It showed some early success, but obviously with playoffs, it comes with adjustment. The only adjustment that they could have is either playing PJ Tucker or just not playing no big at all, right? So having a guy like Christian Wood and also Boogie Cousins, I know that, you know, he's coming off an Achilles injury. The verdict is still out on him, but even having a 60% DeMarcus Cousins, it still goes a long way. So when you look at a starting lineup of John Wall, Eric Gordon, James Harden, Christian Wood, and Boogie, I mean, that could that could do something in the playoffs. Uh, again, time will tell. That's my favorite quote, time will tell. But um, I still consider them a sleeper. two guys coming of off. Day. Yeah, two guys coming off of horrendous injuries, you know, in John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, who are not nearly the players they were, you know, of, of, of prior back when they were at Kentucky. I mean, listen, they tried the whole no big uh, lineup and everyone was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like Mike D'Antoni is going to, is going to run. It was horrible. It was terrible. Uh, James Harden is at his best when he has a big man that can space the floor, that can play defense, that can catch lobs, that can, that can grab boards, you know, put backs, things like that. He doesn't have that with Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins no, no longer has that quickness. He doesn't get up that much anymore. Christian Wood was great. Christian Wood was very underrated in Detroit. People really slept on Christian Absolutely. Wood because, I mean, Detroit's a mess. Uh, so he got a lot of playing time. He, he, you know, he really upped his game. He really upped his stock. And now he goes to, uh, to Houston to really be a focal point there. Uh, but I don't, I think just the fact that Wall and Cousins are, are, are not, are they really the shell of themselves? Uh, and the fact that Harden is not guaranteed to be there. Uh, I, I can't put them at, uh, you know, at, at a, a, a positive uh, offseason. But uh, I will say that there is another uh, Western Conference team that I think will and might even might even take Houston's spot in the playoffs. And to me, that's the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, last year we realized that, you know, with the OKC Thunder, of the, the Chris Paul effect, all right? Chris Paul is mm-hmm. a winner. He, wherever he goes, he makes his teams better. He goes to OKC. Everyone wrote them off from the jump. I mean, they had just traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook and brought in just a bevy of nobodies and, and, and young guys and picks. And he leads them to the playoffs single-handedly, and he leads them far. Uh, now he goes to, uh, to Phoenix, where you saw the Bubble Suns, you know, win every single game that they were there and nearly miss out on the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's going to make Devin Booker so much better. He's going to make DeAndre Ayton so much better. Uh, Jay Crowder is going to come in there, three and D. Uh, he's going to really, uh, you know, that veteran presence is going to help those young guys. Mikhail Bridges over there, uh, Cam Johnson. They're really going to benefit a lot from him. And Chris Paul is just, he's, he's a player coach at this point. He, he's, he's the smartest guy in the Absolutely. NBA to me. Uh, he's going to make everybody better. I think they finally break that, you know, playoff drought this year and they sneak into the playoffs. I give them, uh, you know, a, a really good, like an A minus there in, in the post, in the off season. I think they're really going to do uh, really good things there. No, no, I definitely agree. I mean, like we always said that Phoenix was a point guard away from causing noise in the playoffs, right? Or at least causing noise in the Western conference, so to speak. So, you know, bringing a guy like Chris Paul has that, uh, that dog in him. That IQ, from, he's called point God for a reason, right? Uh, bringing yeah. him in to be paired up with Devin Booker, who never really had a point guard in his career. You know, he went through guys like Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, Ricky Rubio. Like, I mean, like, it's not, it's not really point guard in which uh, a star player like him needs to be, you know, partnered with, right? With a guy like Chris Paul, as you can see, the effect that he has done with OKC, so Phoenix Suns are definitely, you know, the sky's the limit for them. You know, obviously DeAndre Ayton being that big, that would work well in a pick and pop. Uh, I have really high hopes for him. As for Jay Crowder, he's definitely that guy that can also be a veteran presence, that can knock down the three, take on the toughest assignment defensively. The thing is, obviously with losing Kelly Oubre, I feel like they may have lost some scoring ability. But again, it's always about the, the bigger picture in terms of the plus minus. And I feel like, 
they added more pluses than minuses at the end of the day, right? So Cam Johnson is definitely a piece that no one really talks about. I've I've watched a few of the Phoenix Suns game, and this dude can flat out shoot. Like I, I was I was shocked, and I went, like he played for what uh, North Carolina, I believe. North right? Carolina, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember him being you know a shooter, but not to that extent, right? So to be able to jump onto the NBA level and to be able to shoot the three at a high clip definitely goes a long way. And then adding a point guard like Chris Paul to find you those looks, hey, look out for the sun. So um, that's definitely something to look forward to. Obviously, with the short offseason, there's a couple of teams that we talked about. Definitely excited for what's to come this Tuesday. As for the next topic that we want to discuss, um, again, we're going to the 2020-2021 season, kicking off on Tuesday. We want to talk about predictions, right? So, uh, Yazin, obviously we have a list of awards that we want to talk about in terms of, you know, what we think or, or who we think is going to win. So I like to start off with you in terms of naming your 2020-2021 NBA champion, the MVP, coach of the year, sixth man, the defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, and lastly, most improved. Right, right. So hmm, let's see. Let's, uh, should we start at the bottom or should we start at the top? What do you think? Whatever works for you, bud. All right, we'll we'll start at the bottom. We'll start with rookie of the year. You know, the the new guys coming in, and I'm pretty sure you can guess who I think the rookie of the year is going to be. You're right. God, it's Obi Toppin. Goddamn Knicks fans. It is Obi <laughs> Toppin. Okay, Obi Toppin came in and he had an amazing debut in Detroit in his first preseason game. Obi Toppin brings a ton of energy. Uh, this guy was the player of the year last year at Dayton. At Dayton, of all of all schools, he wasn't at a huge school. He wasn't very highly scouted. He came in. He balled out. He's a New York native. He's going to get all the playing time in the world in New York because we're not winning any games anytime soon. Uh, you know, as soon as Julius Randle finds his way out of New York, Obi Toppin show is going to start. This guy finds himself in great positions. I've been watching all their games so far. Uh, you know, he, he puts himself in great, in great spots to dunk the basketball. He has highlight reel plays. Uh, I think the, this, this draft class is not particularly strong. Uh, so I, I'm definitely going to put Obi top in Obi one, my number one rookie <laughs> of the year. What do you think? Oh man. Honestly, honestly, Obi Toppin to me was actually my sleeper pick. I just, just seeing what he was able to do, obviously in Dayton during, uh, in college, I wasn't too high when they drafted him because I was hoping for the Knicks to draft a point guard. I think Halliburton, I thought was going to be a nice pick for them because I have this methodology to believe that in order to start a franchise, it's nice to start off with a really good point guard, right? Someone that can lead the franchise and, you know, and, and take them to new heights, right? But what I saw from Obi Toppin during the preseason, he screams basically a Blake Griffin with a better three-point shot. Like, he has that electricity, that box office appeal. And, you know, it's unfortunate that obviously with the pandemic, we're not bringing in a lot of fans or even fans thereof. But, you know, with him being in New York, being a New York native, with that electricity, I feel like that's obviously that's going to bode well with the New York Knicks. So, um, obviously, they have a log jam uh, in the front court that needs to be taken care of. And I'm hoping that the Knicks can probably make some moves in order to uh, clear that up to make sure that, you know, Obi Toppin does have all the time in the world to develop with guys like RJ Barrett and such, right? But um, he was my sleeper pick. I was going to go with my BBB, man, Lamelo Ball. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Only, only because you can already tell the excitement that the media has. Literally, the most basic alley-oop pass you'll see from a point guard is literally on House of Highlights. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like that would sway a couple of the media votes for Rookie of the Year. LaMelo Ball, obviously, he does have the intangibles to be a future star in this league. But, obviously, getting back to my line, time will tell. Charlotte is not a franchise that's really good at developing players or known to be (laughs) a player development organization. The last really, I guess, draft pick that they really developed was Kemba Walker. Outside of that, you know, you had guys like Biombo, you had guys like PJ Washington. Obviously, the verdict's still out. He's he's all right, but we still haven't seen that jump yet. Obviously, Bridges as well. 
So um, obviously, they never really had that reputation. So that's why I wanted to hold off on that. The safe approach is probably Obi Toppin, but LaMelo Ball seems to be the guy that catches people's eyes, especially the media, in terms of his playmaking ability and obviously being a ball brother. So um, I'm probably going to stick with that for now. But obviously, those full court passes, change. man. Those full court passes. I, I watched those Raptors games. He, he, he's yeah. a baller, man. This guy's straight up. His defense is still very suspect, really not a good defender whatsoever. Uh, but you know, uh, he's going to get a lot of playing time there too. Uh, you know, I, 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 he's a highlight reel waiting to happen. Um, and like right. I said, it's a week, it's a week draft class. Uh, you know, they're not going to see a lot of competition, uh, on, on a side note, I think Emmanuel quickly might be a better point guard, but that's neither here nor there. It's only been two games. Hey, hey if we're talking about point guards, we got to talk about Malachi uh, so Flynn. Let's go to, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about Malachi Flynn. For oh, please. Oh, my God. No, he, I'm telling you right now, with the way the Raptors develop their players, watch out. That's all I got to say. Watch out. Oh, brother. Malachi, He's going to be a problem, man. Malachi <laughs> Flynn. Oh, boy. Hey, man, if it wasn't, if, if it wasn't for COVID-19, the March Madness tournament, he was going to cause some ruckus. San Diego State was up there, man. I think they were like 30-2 and two in the season. Like, he was going to... And he was averaging what, like 18 points a game as a point guard, elite pick and roll player. Like, man, you're gonna see when when he's under the when he's under the umbrella of a Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet. Everyone's talking about you know Van Vliet being an undrafted free agent signing with the Raptors, but uh, you know obviously when he didn't get drafted, and look where he is now. He's like a 25 million dollar player. So we'll see what Malachi Flynn is up to. But from what I see from the eye test, this guy he plays like a vet. But he's not winning rookie of the year. Let's, let's let's both agree on that. Yeah, obviously, if he doesn't have the yeah, he's not he's not gonna have the playing time in order to be the rookie of the year. But I'm just saying from a point guard standpoint, he's better than Lamella Ball. <laughs> let's keep it at that. Ooh, okay, our first <laughs> hot take of the season. All right, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I, I'm 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 gonna go with uh, most improved now. I think we touched upon it already. My most improved player, uh, I think, is gonna be DeAndre Ayton. I feel like uh, with Chris Paul coming in that would open up DeAndre Ayton's skill set in terms of, you know, being an elite big, being able to pick and pop, pick and roll, you know, being guided like a guy like Chris Paul is definitely going to be a plus for him. Without Chris Paul, he was, I think he was putting up 18 and eight. With Chris Paul, I, I think it's going to be uh, a very, a very high number. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking no less than 20, 22 points per game and 10 rebounds. I, that's, that's something I expect from a talent like, Aiton playing with a guy like Chris Paul, he's definitely up there. And I feel like, you know, Aiton is going to be the most improved player with the fact that Phoenix Suns being the most improved team going into 2021 season. How about you? There's, there's a reason why he was the number one pick overall. And at some point you have to justify him over Luka Doncic. So if he's going to win most improved player, he better do it soon. Uh, because yeah, I mean, coming out of college, he was just, just a huge, huge individual. You know, he was a, uh, just a freak in nature, uh, you know, broad shoulders, long arms, really dominate the paint. Uh, so I, I definitely agree. Aiton is definitely going to have a, a much better season now that he has an, an actual point guard. And, you know, no disrespect to Ricky Rubio, but he's no Chris Paul. No, 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 no. Uh, all, all the respect. All the respect to Ricky <laughs> it's Rubio. It's not disrespect. All the Ricky Rubio. <laughs> but I would say uh, my most improved player, and this is, is going to hurt me a little bit uh, because, you know, the Knicks uh, did not pick him, but uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, out of Denver. Uh, you know, now that Jeremy Grant is gone, uh, he's going to really fit in on, you know, in that um, front court with uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Paul Millsap is on the decline. You know, his, his numbers are going down. His usage is going down. Uh, we saw a little bit of what M uh, Mike Porter Jr. could do uh, in the bubble regular season. In the playoffs, he, he definitely tapered off. I think he only averaged about 11 points a game there. Um, he had a couple of big points there, though. He did. He had, he had a couple games where he, he was lights out. Uh, you know, he, he's a really streaky shooter. Uh, his most important thing is staying healthy. Uh, you know, you have a, a, a back injury, a vertebrae injury. That is not something you take lightly. Uh, you know, that is why a lot of teams with, you know, didn't, they just passed on him basically because, you know, that's an injury that affects your, your day to day life. So that's why he kind of dropped the, the lower lottery there. Um, but I think uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know, who's highly touted uh, coming out of high school. Uh, he goes to Missouri. He, he has a pretty decent season in Missouri. Um, and, you know, of course he gets injured and, and, you know, drops and then he misses the whole year. Uh, but now that he's healthy, hopefully, uh, and now he's going to have all the playing time in the world, that 
that Nuggets team is on the rise. It's nice and young. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna get his play in, and I think he's gonna he's gonna win Most Improved Player. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, obviously being in in the Nuggets organization, uh, there's a lot of stars that he could play with. You know, and kind of alleviate some of the pressure that that he would face if there if there was no Jamal Murray or if there was no. Jokic, right? So I feel like that will help him grow. And obviously with the bubble experience and being able to go that deep into the playoffs will definitely help uh, a guy of his skill set take to the next level. I'm wondering if Mike Malone will be interested in obviously playing other guys uh, as well that might eat into his minutes because I've noticed that he played Bowl Bowl a couple of times uh, in, the, in the bubble regular season. I don't know if he's going to have I wouldn't say a breakout year, but break into the rotation, so to speak. So obviously, I, I kind of want to see how what the minutes are like for Michael Porter Jr., but that's definitely a good pick. I don't see why he can be the most improved player. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's go to probably my least favorite award, uh, and it's as defensive player of the year because you know it's it's not it's not an award that people normally clamor to, and, and a lot of guys can you know. Uh, who a lot of guys who win it aren't necessarily of the elite in the NBA, but this year I think uh, the defensive player of the year will be uh, Anthony Davis, who is an elite player, one of the most elite players in the NBA. Surprisingly, he's never won the award. Uh, he's he's been named All Defense plenty of times. He's never been the defensive player of the year award. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert has won it a couple times. Uh, last year, I believe it was Giannis who who won the award. Uh, but Anthony Davis is more than a shot blocker. Anthony Davis can, you can see he can, he can play on the perimeter. He has, you know, you know, those very long arms. He's, he has a lot of lateral quickness. Uh, he's a great on ball defender. Uh, and of course, you know, he defends the paint. Um, so, you know, Anthony Davis, he, he's really now with LeBron James, who is probably the most underrated defensive player, maybe in NBA history. Uh, now, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, bringing him along and, and, and sort of teaching him the ropes and, uh, you know, he has a lot of backup, of course, you know, with the bigs there with Marcus all and, and Harrell and last year it was Mickey and Howard. So it allowed him the ability to kind of, you know, move out of just being that, you know, plant and, and, you know, and, and uh, stay in the key kind of defensive player. Uh, now he's definitely grown into like a, a very much more evolved defense. Player. So I think Anthony Davis, the eyebrow finally gets his first defensive player of the year award this year. Hey, that was actually my pick. Yeah, AD. And you see, the thing is with the Defensive Player of the Year award, I definitely understand where you're coming from in terms of the least likable award, so to speak. And the reason why I say that is because there's not really many candidates to choose from. It's just usually the same three guys, right? Like we talk about guys like Gobert, Kupo, Draymond, and AD. And the thing is, I, I start to notice a trend that bigs are starting to be the ones that are the focal point of winning the the award, right? We, I think the last wing player that won the award was Kawhi Leonard. And that was what, back in like, you know, 2016, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember when, but he was definitely the last wing player, right? So you're starting to see a trend where bigs are starting to, you know, take that leap in terms of being the, the highly likely candidate to win the award, right? But uh, as shockingly as it sounds, AD has never won a defensive player of the year, like you mentioned. So I feel like this is the year where uh, he takes that leap and obviously playing with a much deeper Lakers squad. I feel like it will definitely shed light on his defensive ability, not only to uh, rim protect, but also to guard in the perimeter. We've seen some flashes of that in the bubble and especially over the course of the uh, of the playoffs where he has no problem switching with a wing player or even like, a shooting guard, he's lanky enough to be able to make up the speed in which the shooting guard would have over him, right? He can shift pretty quickly. So I'm hoping that, you know, obviously with a better team and with that championship swagger and confidence, that will definitely put him as as the leader and, and, and the head of that award. So yeah, uh, I definitely agree with you there with AD being a defensive player of the year. So that being said, I guess we can go ahead and talk about the sixth man of the year award. So with me, obviously, there's definitely a lot of options to choose from. With this type of award, I wouldn't say it's easy to kind of point out, but you just kind of have to look for those teams that have great depth, right? With great depth, it gives you a better possibility that the sixth man of the year would come from those teams. The one team I think about is the Brooklyn Nets. They're, they're quite deep uh, in the East right now. Obviously, the verdict is still out on KD and how his Achilles will, will be, but so far from the eye test of the preseason – 
there has been no problems thus far with the way KD and Kyrie has been playing, right? So uh, I'm quite high on that team. And if I were to choose a sixth man, uh, to me, it would probably be uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, only because when you think about KD and you think about, you know, certain, certain players on that franchise that, you know, there's going to be some nights where KD might be sitting a lot because they'll be probably blowing out opponents or even think about KD's health, right? Where it would bring up players like Dinwiddie, Levert, uh, that will take that next step and kind of uh, uh, elevate the offensive prowl of the, of the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, that was one of my picks. The other pick that would probably be more reasonable uh, is probably one of the Lakers six men or reigning six men of the year, which would be Harrell or Schroeder. Those two guys were definitely going to have a lot of run, obviously with a short season and obviously coming off a, a championship berth with Bron James and AD. I can probably foresee them taking some time off games where Harrell and Schroeder would be in the lineup and obviously picking up that offensive ability. If I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go with Dennis Schroeder repeating again. He definitely has that capability of giving you 20 night and night out. And the fact that he's coming off the bench is definitely something ideal. So he's basically the Lou Will of the Lakers at this point. So that's a safe bet. Spencer Dinwiddie is my sleeper. The fact that you that you named a Brooklyn that is offensive, and I, I, I want you to take that back because I, I hate everything about the Brooklyn Nets. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie is, is horribly overrated. Or, and you can, you can write that down. I'll take that to the grave with me. He is, he's supremely overrated. Uh, he talks way too much smack about the Knicks. We live rent-free in his head to the fact that he will not win Sixth Man of the Year. I, I completely disagree with Spencer Dinwiddie. Because my pick for six man of the year is going to be Tyler Hero out of Miami. Uh, he, he most likely won't start in Miami. Um, he really we saw him. You think so? I, I don't think he starts. No, I don't think he starts. Why? No, I, well, I think we probably have, you know, what is that starting lineup probably going to look like? I mean, they probably have Duncan Robinson, but I'd rather put in uh, Dragic as the starting point guard, right? And then you have Duncan Robinson. You can even put hero. I don't mind having Jimmy Butler at the four. I feel like, or even, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they're able to play small with a lineup like Dragic, Robinson, hero, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. I feel like that you we will see success there. Obviously, if you're talking about traditional lineup, a traditional starting lineup, I can see where you're coming from in terms of Tyler Hero not starting. But I feel like, you know, Pat Riley and Eric Forsha is going to figure out ways to put their teams in a, the best situation possible. And I feel like the lineup that I just uh, mentioned is going to be that lineup that Spolstra is going to go with going forward. So sorry, you can continue. Yeah, no, I, I think it, uh, it might be, it might be best for them to actually bring him uh, off the bench. I mean, uh, mind you, they signed Avery Bradley in the off season. Uh, they signed Mo Harkless in the off season who, I mean, when you have guys like Jimmy Butler, who, you know, you know, and, and Bam Adebayo, who, in your starting lineup, you know, are going to, uh, you know, bring a lot of points and bring a lot of offense. It's, it could be smart to bring in a guy like Tyler Hero off the bench. Uh, you know, especially when you have a ton of guards there, uh, you know, Dragic, Nunn, uh, Robinson, Hero, you can, you know, Jimmy Butler, because it's kind of a two, three, uh, Andre Iguodala played a little bit of the three, a little bit of the two. Uh, so if, if I'm Eric Spolstra, I'm bringing Tyler Hero off the bench in relief, uh, that guy, as we saw him, you know, he has a swagger about him. He has, uh, you know, that Kentucky kids, man, you know, they, they're, they're, they're built differently, you know, in this league, you know, I, the Knicks have like seven of them clearly, uh, you know, Kentucky kids, they, they learn differently. They, 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 they pretty much play NBA style basketball in college. Uh, so I think, yeah, he mm -hmm. comes off the bench. Uh, he, he picks up where he left off. Uh, you know, in the bubble and, and, you know, in the final, he played an integral role in bringing that team to the final. So uh, he's my sixth man of the year. Get that Spencer Dinwiddie crap out of here. I, I'm not hearing any of that. <laughs> I only did that because I wanted to trigger you because everyone knows who's New York's team and that's the Brooklyn Nets, but how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? But, you, but speaking of six man, I don't know. I, I had, I also, you know, talking about New York, I was kind of thinking of, but just depending on where this team goes, this guy being six man of the year may not be as far fetched as we think it is. And that's the Portland trailblazers and Carmelo Anthony. If he does not start, obviously we saw what he was able to do in the bubble, literally coming in seamlessly with, with the Portland trailblazers and being able to knock down the three point shot. Although I don't know if he's going to humble himself and coming off the bench 
Obviously, Portland got deeper this year by adding guys like Robert Covington and, and others. But I guess we'll see how things go. But if he were to come off the bench, I don't see him. Sorry, I don't see why not as to why he could be an option for six man of the year, considering how dynamic that Portland offense is. Oh, man. Metal to God. I mean, I'm sold. I give Carmelo Anthony all the awards, give him the championship. You know, he he. He was, you know, he was, uh, he was the guy for a while. So I, I'm, I'm all on board with him winning six man of the year. And I think he is coming off the bench. I believe Terry Stott said he was coming off the bench. Uh, so that is going to be good. They're much improved too. They brought a lot of guys in there. Uh, so he's just going to, you know, Robert Covington probably starting there, you know, at the four. So uh, definitely probably see uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench. And if we've seen anything in, in this preseason, he's, he's picking up where he left off. Like he, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the adage that he was washed and, and not signable and just disrespectful. No. I never believed that. I never believed that. Never. Like, when you, never. When you see Melo throughout his entire career, there's no way in hell that someone could tell me this guy can't drop less than 15. Like he will give you 15 never. on one leg. Like, like he just, he just built different. It's not like the new superstars nowadays. Like he is, he score, score. Cut score, from the same pot and he's score. a scorer. Yeah, a shooter's a shooter at the end of the day, right? <laughs> uh, mid-range, three-point shot. It's just that, like, he just, obviously, he had that little bit of the ego of not wanting to come off the bench, right? And obviously, Portland, you know, losing a couple guys like Rodney Hood and a couple of few guys from injury that they were lacking that other offensive punch that they needed outside of the dynamic duo of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, right? So adding a guy like Melo definitely helped them propel into the playoffs and then obviously show some success there. Right. So obviously winning that one game, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, the one thing I, I also wanted to discuss was the coach of the year. So you can take it away as to what your prediction is for coach of the year. Yeah. I'll keep this brief. I always thought coach of the year goes to the guy who, uh, you know, improves the team's winning percentage the most, you know, uh, changes their, their standings. Uh, so I'm going to go with Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think, uh, he's going to propel them from being uh, a non-playoff team last couple of years to to bringing them, you know, into the playoffs. They're not going to go far. I don't. I don't think. You know, they'll be a, a lower seed for sure. Uh, but when you, you know, coach of the year is really based off of your performance off of the team that you inherit uh, and you know the team's history. So I definitely think uh, Monty Williams brings that team to the playoffs. We you know we've talked about them already. Uh, so he's my pick for coach of the year. No, that's a great pick. I, I was going to say, if there was an opportunity where there would be a co-coach of the year, I feel like this year might be it. But again, we'll see how the success will 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 be displayed. Um, I definitely agree with your pick, and that was one of my picks that I had. The second pick I had was uh, Lloyd Pierce of the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the improvements that they had over the course of the offseason will definitely propel them into at least a play a low tier playoff team in the East. There's a lot of competition, obviously with the Washington wizards gaining a few guys to see with Westbrook. And, you know, I feel like, you know, that, that seventh, eighth spot is going to be a bloodbath, but I feel like uh, Atlanta does have the pieces to at least get there and maybe cause a little bit of noise through the bottom, the bottom seat of the, of the Eastern uh, playoffs. So yeah, just keep it short and sweet. It was either Lloyd Pierce or Monty Williams. I'm not mad at either option. No doubt. So who's your MVP choice? My MVP choice is going to be pretty uh, simple. Uh, I personally think it's going to be Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, obviously, you can see last year, you know, kind of that step that he'd taken as his uh, first go-ahead in the NBA playoffs, virtually averaging a triple-double at the age of, like, what, 21, and just kind of showing that superstardom, um, not being, uh, not fearing the moment, the ability of making his teammates better. Uh, I feel like that put him in a position where the national media and all NBA fans abroad was able to see the skill set and, you know, kind of that dog in him in which he was able to display. So although see LeBron going into his, what, year 18, year 19, I already lost count, you know, he's always going to be in that conversation. And I feel like it's, he's going to be part of that um, awkward situation, obviously with MJ, when you think of MJ, he could win the MVP every year if he really wanted to, but obviously with the NBA, they always like to share the wealth, so to speak. So uh, I feel like Luka Doncic will be the MVP of the 2020-2021 season. Yep, Luka's my pick too. Uh, the NBA MVP is not really the most valuable player award. It's the most outstanding player to me. Uh, and Because if it was the most valuable player, LeBron James would have won it probably every year since 2006. Um, so, yeah. you know, Luka Doncic, super outstanding player. This guy's built for this. He's been playing professionally since he was like 15, 16 years old over in Spain. 
Uh, you know, he highly touted, came in. Uh, I think the fact that Christoph Porzingis, uh, who's a bum, uh, is also going to be injured for most of the year because uh, he's made of glass. Uh, he, you know, him not being there was going to mean that Doncic is going to have to take on more of a scoring load. He's going to have to pour in more points, and that's going to make his stats just look unbelievable. I think he's probably going to average north of 30 points a game, probably around seven assists, you know, maybe five, six boards, maybe even higher than that. Uh, you know, the team around him, did not really improve that much. I don't think they got much better, uh, you know, so he is going to have to carry the load there. And when you carry the load and when you put up numbers like that, MVPs, they start flowing in. So Luka Doncic for me is my, uh, my MVP as well. Yeah. And also when you think about it too, it, it also takes off Luka's pressure on defense when you bring guys like Josh Richardson and also gaining back Powell, Dwight Powell from injury, right? He was doing his thing over the course of the season until he tore his ACL, I believe it was. Now that he's back in the running and then Josh Richardson displaying that defensive ability and be able to hit the three ball. But, you know, um, like you mentioned, Dallas Mavericks hasn't really improved that much. But again, with those pieces coming in, maybe Luka can make something out of nothing, right? So I guess we'll see how things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, for the prediction, uh, who is going to be your 2020-2021 NBA champion? Who is going to be my, my champion this year? Um, I know every year, you know, I say it's the Knicks, but it's not going to be the Knicks this year, unfortunately. <laughs> I know you say it's the Raptors every year. Raptors you got lucky year. once, you know, you got, you got very lucky once. They're not going to win this year either. Uh, I think this year it is, it's the Los Angeles Lakers because mm-hmm. in this league, if, you know, if you don't get better, you get worse. Uh, and we've seen that. They didn't rest on their laurels. They didn't just say, hey, let's run it back with the same guys. No, they improved all across the board. They got, uh, you know, better depth. Uh, they got better quality players. They just locked up Kyle Kuzma uh, earlier today uh, to a long-term deal. Uh, you know, Schroeder. That guy's and, a Kardashian, okay, man. Listen, he, 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 when he's needed and when he's called on, Kyle Kuzma comes through. He doesn't need to score oh, 20 boy. points a game. You know, he needs to do his job. He needs to he needs to fill a role. So I think all those guys coming together, I think Anthony Davis is, you know, in the prime of his career. He's he's headed towards elite status if he's not already there. LeBron James is LeBron James. I don't think this guy is really ever going to get worse at this point. Like I a lot of people are asking, mm-hmm. when's LeBron James gonna break down? You know, like he's in year eighteen and he is he's playing unbelievably. He's he's getting better in all facets, he's becoming a arguably one of the best point guards ever, which is mind boggling to think about because he's not a point guard, but now he is. So I think the Lakers win it again. Uh, I think, you know, AD and LeBron run it back. Uh, It's going to be stiff competition. You know, the the Clippers are going to be there. Uh, You know, Milwaukee will will probably be there again. Miami, you know, they shocked the world, but I think the Lakers have just enough to, you know, to, to repeat for sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Obviously, they were able to improve drastically this offseason, like we mentioned earlier. And I feel like the West did get better as well. I'm kind of curious as to how the Nuggets will do. Because now that they had that experience of going to the Western Conference Finals and then being able to pass the torch to guys like Michael Porter Jr., who has a bigger role, although they did lose Jeremy Grant, who was definitely a big piece in their playoff run, that kind of puts cause to pause for me in terms of, you know, what the Nuggets could potentially do. But obviously the safe approach is definitely the Lakers in terms of, you know, the the improvements that they made over the course of the offseason onto a championship caliber team. Obviously sky's the limit. So either way, the winner is coming out from the West. I don't think the East yeah. um, will be able to have what it takes to defeat anyone that comes out of the West. I was, I was low-key high on the Nets, but again, it's going to be a bloodbath in the Eastern conference, I can't even pinpoint as to who's going to win the East, to be honest. Like it's, you know, you got, obviously got the bucks, you got the nets, you got the 76ers, you got the Celtics, you got the heat. Like that's already five teams that can literally grab the, you know, the Eastern conference and make the finals. Whereas when you're looking at the Western conference, there's maybe two or three teams that could do it. Yeah. So uh, I mean, time time will definitely tell with that. But yeah, uh, Lakers are definitely the safe bet. I think that wraps up the run that segment. I guess we'll go to the AO segment and talk about some weird events that have been going on over the last couple of weeks heading towards the 2020-2021 NBA season. 
And I guess I'll start off with, I guess, one that I have in mind, which was uh, the Nets and Celtics game, I think it was two nights ago, where we saw Kyrie using that stage <laughs> pregame going around the court with all that smoke. I, and I definitely understand where he's coming from in terms of applying his native culture. But I mean, the only, he, he mentioned he did it in Barclays in a previous game. But the fact that you were filmed doing that against the Celtics, again, definitely uh, is worth cause to pause as to, you know, Kyrie being that, you know, that weird, that weird superstar and kind of, I, I don't know. It just puts me, it puts me into a, a speechless situation in terms of what he can do. Uh, for me, I just say, if you're a superstar, just go out there and play basketball, all the theatrics on the side, just leave it be. But he always figures out a way to be back into the headlines. And I don't know why that's the case, but just seeing that just made me laugh. So I don't know if you had anything else to talk about. I, that. Yeah. My AO moment came from today uh, when Rudy Gobert just signed the third largest contract in NBA history. Now, let me, let me say that again. He didn't sign the third largest contract for a big man. He didn't sign the third largest contract for a player by Utah jazz history. He didn't sign the third largest contract for a player born in France. No, he signed the third largest contract in NBA history. Rudy Gobert, Highway robbery. He is joining the elite fleecers such as uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, it, like it's 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 unbelievable how they Chandler gave Parsons. this man Chandler Parsons. How they gave this man the third largest contract in history. Like they are owing four hundred million dollars between two players over five years. And one of them is named Rudy Gobert. Like, what yeah. are we talking about here? Third largest contract in NBA history. I mean, if if you're a player that can't shoot the basketball from at least 18 feet, I don't know why the hell you are getting a max deal. Like, I, I feel like that should be a mandatory component in today's NBA. Like, we're not talking about a guy like Shaq or a guy like, you know, Zion in the near future when he gets his max because he's he has the ability to score. Rudy Gobert doesn't score. He just <laughs> puts backs. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like, um, what's the difference between a Rudy Gobert and a Clint Capella outside of like maybe his defensive ability? They're the same player. Nothing in, in terms of offensively, offensively the same player. And just one is getting maybe 100 mil, and the other one's getting two over 200 million dollars. So I definitely do not understand. What would Shaq primetime Shaq right now? I think would hit a quarter billion dollar contract. I think he'd hit 250. Oh, easily, easily, without a doubt. Like, I mean, yeah, I feel like Zion is probably going to be the closest in terms of getting that super max deal and not being able to stretch the floor out on a consistent basis, but at least he finds ways to score, right? And I feel like that should definitely be a criteria in determining whether someone is a max player or not, right? You got to be able to show at least an elite offensive ability, Right, which clearly Rudy Gobert doesn't show. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. That's definitely an AO moment, that's for sure. I, I guarantee those two guys, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, do not see the end of their contracts together in Utah. I, I guarantee that right now. They do yeah, not sure both so. make it to the end of their contracts because that is an insane amount of money to give to Rudy Gobert. Um, but mm. that's my AO what the F moment like. How? I don't... This NBA is crazy. How do you give a guy like that that much money? Unbelievable. Yeah, like... And and you know what's funny? Because considering he's going to be a free agent for this upcoming offseason, I don't think he was going to get that money. Like, no. I feel like if he were to play it off, so that's why it really puts into question the, I guess, the IQ of the, of the Jazz front office. Like, you really, like you said, they locked up $400 million of their, of their cap space to two players, right? When you have other guys that, you know, it looks like they're going to have to really draft well in order for this team to stay intact, to, like at the very least. So, um, but that being said, I do agree with you in terms of, you know, those two players not seeing their contracts. I'm probably a little bit unlikely on Donovan Mitchell's side. I feel like there could be a possibility where he sees the whole contract by the end of it. But Rudy Gobert, I don't, I don't even know. And I don't even know if that's going to be a tradable contract. But like I said... Okay. Anything is possible in the NBA. I never expected that John Wall's $47 million per year contract was going to be tradable. Same thing with Chris Paul, you know, showing that effect in OKC definitely raised the value even more. Obviously, with Westbrook's contract, 
that's the only way you could probably trade off is, you know, finding someone of equal value that probably doesn't show as much impact as your player that you have on your roster. So you just trade we'll abysmal contracts for more abysmal contracts. That's just clearly yeah. how the NBA is going right now. Just trade bad contracts for more bad contracts. I don't know yeah, if Rudy Gobert is not sure. tradable, but that is, that's my moment. I, I'm still not over it. <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely going to be more over the course of the season, so we'll definitely be prepared for that. And um, the last segment that we're going to talk about today is just games of the week. So what games, uh, Yazan, are you excited for that are scheduled this week that you kind of want to shed light on? Yeah, um, so I'm gonna go with the Christmas Day lineup. Uh, I'm I'm still I'm still very sour that they took the the matinee away from Madison Square Garden. I get it, they're bad, <laughs> but it's 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 tradition, guys. It's tradition. The Knicks play at 12 o'clock on Christmas every year, and they took it away from them. So I have to look for other games now. They replaced it with the Pelicans and the Heat. Nobody wants to watch that. But my game uh, of the week will probably go um, that night. The, the Clippers and the Nuggets. Uh, we saw the Clippers, the Nuggets were left for dead in the playoffs. And then, you know, they mm-hmm. came back from 3-1. I, I want to see how the Clippers respond to that. I want to see how Kawhi, more importantly, I want to see how Paul George responds to that because he is really one of the big reasons why they were eliminated that year. Uh, you know, up 3-1, you have everything that you need. You're looking at a showdown with the Lakers that everyone's been looking for. And you, you, don't, you don't produce. So you get the right. Nuggets... On Christmas, the nighttime game, I want to see if the Clippers can put it together. I want to see them destroy the Nuggets. I really want to see them make that statement and say, you know what, guys? What happened last uh, off, uh, postseason was an aberration. We're coming back. We're coming for blood. Uh, so that's my game. That's definitely uh, very interesting because you kind of want to see what the Clippers can do in, in terms of showing that they will always remember, obviously, that 3-1 uh, failure. And, and the fact that, you know, they want to impose their will and kind of show the, the league that, hey, we're ready and we're ready to, to take on whoever's in front of us, right? As for the games that I was interested in, it was unfortunate that Clay Thompson got injured just shortly before the season began. But I was really looking forward to the Warriors versus Nets uh, on opening night in Brooklyn. I felt like, you know, with, with Katie and Kyrie versus uh, Clay and Steph, I, I, I feel like would be definitely... Uh, something worth popping my popcorn for. Also, the Lakers Clippers that, you know, I think it was, I think it's the second of the double header that night too. That's definitely going to be big. I'm not sure if they're going to do the ring ceremony night right in front of the Clippers organization. <laughs> That's going to be something worth uh, seeing for sure. Both teams improving. Um, obviously, Lakers improving more than the Clippers. The following day on December 23rd, I was focused on um, the Bucks and the Celtics. See the Celtics coming off of the um, Eastern Conference Finals just being short one game and looking at the Bucks, obviously with their new additions, I kind of want to see what Giannis can do uh, with the offseason working on his uh, shooting ability. See, there's a couple big games looking forward to this week. So um, hopefully we'll have some more to talk about um, next week once we get those results in. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, guys, basketball's back. You know, we're, we're not no more bubble, no more, you know, three meals a day. You know, everyone is going to be back in their in their home court. Uh, you know, Toronto's in Tampa, you know, they get to avoid the winter this year. So they get lucky. Maybe they'll play better because it's hot outside down in Tampa. Who knows? Hey, and also taxes, no taxes either. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they're going to blow blow their money, you know, they're going to have a lot of fun there. So, and Florida's wide open. So that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. So I guess (laughs) it remains to be seen. Yeah. So like I, like I mentioned, everybody, the 2020-21 season is going to be kicking off on Tuesday with the Warriors and Nets, and then with the second of the back-to-back Lakers Clippers. So looking forward to a whole week of regular season NBA, and that should do it, folks. Once again, we're both excited on embarking this journey and bringing you the Fire NBA content to you all. We'll be dropping the episode on as many podcast platforms as possible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, you name it, we're in there. Uh, Don't forget to support the brothers. Follow, like, subscribe. We're on Twitter at GamePointPod underscore and on IG at GamePointPod. We are working to get our YouTube channel up, so stay tuned on that so we can upload the video. With that said, that's game. Signing out. See ya.